evening, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Breakdown. It is, oh, what is it now? February 12th, 2023. And it just keeps getting nuttier and nuttier in the province of Alberta. We've got a lot to talk about tonight. Some of you might remember just a few short days ago, we did a, a conversation where we talked to Sarah Biggs about, hey, what was the what was the rest of the weekend hold? How crazy could it get? Couldn't possibly get that crazy. But then it did because Danielle Smith came back from her uh, sojourn, uh, her, her vacation, and then her meeting at the minister's conference, the first minister's conference where they were there to talk about health care. And she wanted to have a, a little bit of a, a press conference to talk about how successful her trip out there was. And there was a couple of couple of little bumps. And we haven't even gotten to the crazy stuff yet. We're, we're going to be getting to that in a sec. But we got to deal with this press conference first because there were a couple of interesting things that happened. And we got to start with this clip. Lisa Bongeal with CBC. Thanks for taking our questions today. Um, I'm just wondering if you've spoken to Archer Pulowski since the start of 2023 and what the nature of that conversation was. You know, I've talked to everyone who um, has concerns about some of the um, the uh, the enforcement orders that are against them, and I have told them the same thing that I uh, have told all of you that I'm awaiting to see the result of a couple of different cases. I'm taking the advice of my attorney general, and that we'll have to wait for the process to play out. Just specifically, have you spoken to him directly? Yes. Okay. And uh, could you could you let me know in the course of that conversation? Did you tell him or indicate to him that you would? Uh, have people looking in to see what could be done with his specific charges? I have, have always said that I, uh, I campaigned on it for seven months, that I would look into what the options were for amnesty, and that I would look into what the options were on that. And my, uh, my justice minister came back and said that amnesty is not possible for a, a premier. The only role of amnesty is the governor general in our country, the way our system works. And his advice to me was having lost one case, the uh, CM versus Alberta case, that we were going to wait on the Ingram case to see if there's some clarity in law. So that was the advice of my justice minister, and that's what I'm waiting for. I don't think you want to be seen as being evasive. Um, did you speak to Art Pulowski, individual who is charged uh, before the court right now, uh, in this calendar year? And if so, what did you say to him? I, I did say yes, and I said the same thing that I've always said, that um, I, uh, I had sought the opportunity to seek amnesty. I was told by my justice minister, amnesty is not available to a premier. It is only an option that is available to the governor general and that uh, we are waiting on a, a case to be resolved, uh, the Ingram case to be resolved. I've accepted the advice of my justice minister and I'm waiting for that case to be resolved. So you've told him that there's nothing that you or your office can do on his behalf at this point? I, exactly, I said that this is the advice of my justice minister I, and, that's, uh, and that's what I'm waiting for. Now there's a lot to unpack in those clips, but in order to really understand the impact, magnitude, severity of what we're talking about here. We got to talk about who we're talking about because we're not just talking about Danielle Smith. We're also talking about uh, street preacher Arthur Pulowski. And Arthur is a pretty complicated character in not just the, the Alberta scene, but Alberta politics as well. Arthur has made a career over the last couple of years out of being as inflammatory as possible, it seems. Some of you might remember uh, just a couple of years ago, Archer was one of the people who, during uh, health measures, decided to lean, lead a march using tiki torches. 
Now, this came despite the fact that there were a lot of people who said, hey, you know what? This this Tiki Torch stuff, it's kind of super racist. How about you didn't do that? But nonetheless, Arthur decided that he was going to lead more than one march through the streets of Calgary, as well as a couple of other places where he was going to highlight the, the tiki torches as a symbol of freedom and not a racist dog whistle. Now, Archer also seems to have, in many ways, set himself above the law and above the restrictions. On multiple occasions, he allegedly defied health restrictions and ended up being arrested on more than one occasion. There was one particularly famous one where he was arrested on Deerfoot Trail um, by the Calgary police for violating health restrictions repeatedly. It's also really important to stress here that when it came to the decision to arrest people who were violating health restrictions, it wasn't just like, you didn't wear your mask in shoppers, so we're going to come for you. You had to go out of your way. You really had to be deliberate and public in flaunting the health measures that were being put in place to try to keep the healthcare system from collapsing. Well, Archer not only made public demonstrations, but he also went out of his way to try to convince people at Coots that despite the fact that the decision had largely been made to demobilize or whatever. He stood there and he said, Hey, you know what? You guys got to stay. You're fighting for freedom. This is all super, very important. Stay, do the freedom thing. And for that reason, he currently is before the courts. Now this is where the whole conversation about Daniel Smith comes into play because Archer very clearly had some conversations with Daniel Smith before the election. And as you heard in that clip there, also very clearly had some conversations with Daniel Smith after January of this year. Now, this gets to be particularly important because one of the things that has been alleged is that Daniel Smith was only making promises about... Um, Sorry, I should rephrase that. Daniel Smith was allegedly making promises about amnesty and all of those sorts of things back in October. Because Daniel Smith has said, you know what? Back in October, when I first got in, totally thought I could do all this stuff. Turns out I can't. Whoops. Good thing that Tyler Shandro steered me right. But if she was still having these conversations and making these sources, then things get complicated really, really quickly. Archer was very recently very angry at Daniel Smith. And he was very angry at Daniel Smith because he believed that she had promised him that she would make sure that he didn't have to face any consequences for the decisions that he made in regards to openly violating health restrictions and encouraging other people to do so. The direct quote from the article is, she can set me free. She promised that she will set me free before the election. Now, we have us a bit of a conundrum here. Because on one hand, we've got Archer, whose relationship with Let's Go the Truth is, uh, to some people's interpretation, hyperbolic. And then we also have Danielle Smith, who just lies a, a lot. So... Who do we believe? Well, we're not sure. But the fact that CBC was asking questions at this press conference saying, hey, so um, when you talk to Archer, what's what's the details there? Will you be specific? I mean, that was that was not 
a, a press conference in so much as it was a cross-examination that was flipped onto Smith. And as we've said before on the show, and we're going to get Sarah Biggs' thoughts on this when she hops on in just a little bit, but as we've said before on the show, when CBC, especially those reporters, we're talking about Elise Von Schiel, we're talking about Megan Grant, when these people start to show up with these sorts of questions, this isn't the end game. This is by no stretch the end game. This is them loading the cannons. And so it's going to be very fascinating to see what comes over the coming weeks. There's certainly lots of rumors circulating around the political atmosphere right now about a few major stories that are coming down the pipes in the next week or two. So it's going to be fascinating to see what's all coming down because of this. Now, the other piece that's particularly important to unpack, we're just going to go ahead and, and, and play another clip here to, to really get the flavor of it. I've always said that I, uh, I campaigned on it for seven months, that I would look into what the options were for amnesty and that I would look into what the options were on that. And my, uh, my justice minister came back and said that amnesty is not possible for a, a premier. The only role of amnesty is the governor general in our country, the way our system works. And I said the same thing that I've always said that um, I I had sought the opportunity to seek amnesty. I was told by my justice minister, amnesty is not available to a premier. It is only an option that is available to the governor general. So to walk through that, Daniel Smith said, hey, you know what? I campaigned on saying that I would treat people amnesty. I said it was something that I would do. When I got elected, Tyler Shandro, he said, you know what? That's not a power that's available to you. But here's where it gets a little bit problematic because that's public information. When Daniel Smith was campaigning on the idea of getting people amnesty, there was no shortage of legal scholars who said there's no mechanism for you to do that. That's not a power of the premier's office, specifically when it comes to things like criminal charges. That's not a thing that the premier can do. But nonetheless, Danielle Smith apparently didn't get the memo from any of those legal scholars. And she decided that she was going to still go ahead and campaign on it, which leaves us with two choices. One choice is Danielle Smith, who was the leader of the opposition for a good chunk of time, who was an elected official, served as an MLA. For a good chunk of time, she had no idea of the basic civics involved that say, yeah, no, amnesty is not an option. Even more to the point, she had the team that she had didn't say to her at any point, oh, by the way, you can't do this. Now, this would be particularly embarrassing if any one of the people that she surrounded herself with were, I don't know, lawyers or anything like that. Oh, wait, Rob Anderson, who also served as an MLA for both the PCs and the Wild Rose and then the PCs again. He's a lawyer. He's the guy, one of the three guys who came up with the Free Alberta strategy. He's one of the architects of the Alberta Sovereignty Act. So apparently, Rob Anderson, we are to believe, had no idea as a practicing lawyer that this was not a power that was available to the premier's office. Because here's the thing. At the end of the day, here's the bottom line. Either Danielle Smith and her team were so lost in the wilderness 
that they didn't recognize that there were multiple constitutional legal scholars who were saying, you can't do this. Rob Anderson, the lawyer, didn't realize this is not a power that's available to the premier or they did. And if they did, they played people. They played people hard. And so the question that you have to ask yourself, if you're somebody who is a supporter of Smith or somebody who's simply been observing this whole process unfold, is do you think it's more likely that Danielle Smith, ex-leader of the opposition, ex-MLA, who's wired in with all kinds of people with legal experience and opinions, She had no idea that this power was available to her. Do you think it's more likely that Rob Anderson, who's a practicing lawyer, who also was an MLA, he had no idea that this wasn't a a power that's available to the premier? Or did they play people? That's the bottom line. Daniel Smith lies. We know that Daniel Smith lies. Daniel Smith lies a lot. We know that too. <laughs> that's, that's just reality. But at a certain point, it needs to start to potentially become clear to people that she will lie and she will say whatever advances what she believes is her cause. She doesn't care who she hurts. Moving on from there, one of the other big pieces that kind of sort of broke at that press conference, it was the weirdest non-announcement announcement. For anybody who's been paying attention to Alberta politics, you've known for a while that uh, Calgary and Edmonton, particularly Edmonton, have been making a lot of noise. The crime, it's out of control. So much crime. People aren't safe. You can't go on the streets. There's hordes of zombies running around there's 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 some sort of fungal mutation i hear running through the streets of edmonton it's out of control we need to do something daniel smith and the ecp government announced hey you know what we're going to be uh we're going to be we're going to be deploying sheriffs daniel smith who wants her own provincial police force announced we're going to be deploying sheriffs to the streets of, of edmonton well one of the questions that was asked at this press conference was hey are you going to do the same thing in calgary and Dan basically said oh yeah but i don't want to ruin mike ellis's announcement so I'm going to I'm going to leave that be and uh, there'll be an announcement in the coming days. So, you know, just just roll with that and we'll see what we see. But. That was just the start of the last three days, because <laughs> that press conference was on Thursday and then we hit Friday and everybody woke up Friday morning. Danielle Smith, she did a travel blog. She, she did a little 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 video presentation while she was out in uh, Ottawa at the First Minister's meeting. And she had some thoughts that you wanted to share. Walk the streets of our nation's capital. I can't help but be reminded of the history of this place, including how Canada was founded. Many years ago, the Indigenous people of this land and those that came from across the world united to tame an unforgiving frontier, ensuring prosperity for countless future generations. It was their duty to support one another as neighbors and to build this country together, developing democratic institutions that would yield good and stable governance. I think it's important to remind ourselves where we came from because it might help shape where we're going. I 
try really hard not to swear on the show. Everybody who's been a, a follower of the show knows I only, I only, I only bring it for special occasions, but what the fuck? That is such an unmitigated of bullshit. And it is unbelievable that the premier, I wish it was unbelievable that the premier of a province would stand up and say, Hey, everybody, um, gosh, when, when, when the settlers came to the frontier, they just got along so great with all those first nations and indigenous folks. It was just fantastic. They, they made s'mores and, and sang songs around the campfire. It is unquestionably one of the worst forms of revisionist history that, that you can imagine. It is, it is a lie. It is another lie. The reality is, and it's mind-numbing that we have to keep having this conversation. And I say that as a middle-aged white dude, so I can only imagine how Indigenous and First Nations people feel when Danielle Smith rolls out a torrent of bullshit like she did on Friday. Canada perpetrated a genocide on Indigenous and First Nations people. Full stop. If you don't like that idea, if that idea makes you uncomfortable, here's the thing. You weren't the fucking victim of it. Imagine how those people feel. The ones who are, are alive still, mind you. And for Danielle Smith to present this romanticized version of the uncomfortable reality of the history of this country and in particular, this province, is incredibly disingenuous. It's incredibly dishonest. And it's incredibly hurtful. The Confederacy of Treaty 6 First Nations issued a statement where they said that they were disappointed by the Premier of Alberta's simplistic views on a colonization of Canada's First Nations people and their territorial lands and the lasting impacts colonization continues to have on our people. And it's true be clear the 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 formulation of governance principles that danielle smith talked about there that wasn't developed by first nations people that was created under the indian act and it was enforced on first nations and indigenous peoples they didn't have a choice most of them still don't and there is a big conversation that's going on in many indigenous and first nations communities regards to how do you balance the traditional governance ways with the ways that Canada has forced on people that have in many ways become customary, not because they're wanted, but because they didn't have a choice. This is something that the premier of Alberta should be saying. This is something that the premier of Alberta should be willing to own. But instead, Danielle Smith wants to give you a big old smile. And talk about the romanticized version of Alberta and Canada that she wants to hold. Because apparently it's too uncomfortable for Danielle Smith to even entertain looking at the truth. Which, quite frankly, shouldn't come as a huge shock. Because as we know, she's got some problems when it comes to the truth. But let's be clear. What happened on Friday 
wasn't just, oops, we released a video. There was a series of events that occurred from Friday to Saturday. And it's really important to highlight what those were. Because when Daniel Smith was actually called out on how offensive that video was, what was her reaction? or her comms team's reaction? Was it to issue an apology? Was it to delete the video? Was it to issue a clarification video? No, it was to pin the tweet on her profile. It was to double down. And of course, then we get to yesterday where she had the opportunity to clarify because on her radio show, Your Province, Your Premier, somebody called in and they said, hey, is the Premier willing to, to, to clarify? Is the Premier willing to apologize? The, the Premier willing to apologize and explain that. I'm happy. I'm I'm happy to explain our partnership with First Nations, which I feel very proud of. I think our province has really been a pioneer in our First Nations relationship. This part of the world would not have been opened up if our First Nations partners had had not been willing to trade with us and show us the roots and develop a vibrant industry. We would not have been able to settle here if uh, they hadn't been willing to to uh, to sign treaties six, seven, and eight. Now there has been a long history of us not living up to the commitments in those treaties. And we are making, I think, historical reparations for the errors that we made. And I, I am going to always affirm that our First Nations are partners. We have to treat them as partners. We, we have to make sure that as we go forward as partners, that they are able to take full participation in all of our economic activity. And I value that partnership. So you will hear me talk a lot about our First Nations partners because I don't want people to forget that history. I want people to understand that this is an equal relationship and we've got to, we've got to, to do our part to make amends for the errors of the past. Let's not forget that one of the things that happened when Daniel Smith rolled out her Alberta Sovereignty Act was that literally all of the treaty nations of Alberta said, hey, y'all didn't consult with us. This actually goes against the treaties. So not only did you disrespect us by not having the conversation about something that is clearly going to affect us, but we actually reject the premise of your question. We reject the premise of your act because our treaties are with the crown. So y'all can take your sovereignty act and you can pound sand. It was made very clear that people were disgusted and disappointed and felt let down and rejected by the Alberta Sovereignty Act. But let's also not forget when Danielle Smith made her multiple claims about her Cherokee heritage, when somebody who worked on her campaign allegedly was part of a, a, a racist event, her response was, hey, guys, I'm with you. I'm like Cherokee and junk, so I feel this. Never mind the fact that APTN did an in-depth investigation, and they were able to establish there's absolutely no evidence that Danielle Smith has any sort of Cherokee heritage whatsoever. But let's also take a look at what just happened in the last 24 hours. Because Indigenous people across the province have said, and the country no less, have said that this video was disappointing, it was disrespectful, it was ill-informed, and it was harmful. There's still no apology. There's still no taking responsibility. It's, it sure is a good thing that Danielle Smith didn't say at any point that when she makes mistakes, she'll own them. 
and acknowledge them and apologize so that we can all move on. Wrong or make a mistake, I will look to follow the example of our dear departed friend, Premier Ralph Klein. Admit to it, learn from it, and get back to work. Because that is the Alberta way. Just goes to show how much Daniel Smith doesn't actually know about the Alberta way and how performative Daniel Smith's approach to politics is. Because literally every stakeholder involved in that conversation has said, hey, that's not cool. You got it all wrong. You're spreading misinformation and you're spreading harmful misinformation that is disrespectful to what First Nations and Indigenous people still have to deal with every day because of the damage that how this country was formed did to them and their cultures. But we don't see Daniel Smith admitting to it, learning from it, because that's the Alberta way. Moving on from there, we got a couple more topics that we're going to hit on real quick, and then we're going to bring in Sarah Biggs. One of the other things that happened on Friday, hey, Alberta went and got ourselves some new judges. That's fun, right? And not at all complicated, right? I think we all know better than that. Because here's the thing. There were four new judges that were appointed. And things get a little bit complicated. The news story that we highlighted right uh, just a sec there ago, there we go, Uh, talks about the fact that it was the Deputy Minister of Justice who was appointed to the bench. Yay, good for him, but there's some problems that come with that because one of the questions that came out of the news story is, okay, so wait, this guy was the Deputy Minister of Justice for a whole bunch of time, and this he was the Deputy Minister of Justice at the same time that Daniel Smith and her office allegedly were trying to influence Crown prosecutors. Hey, this guy might know a few things about that. Can we get him to testify? If there is an independent investigation, if anything comes of it, what does it look like? How do you get a judge to testify like that? What happens? And the general consensus so far has been, we don't really know. So that's a little bit problematic right there. The other problem that we run into with this uh, this little situation with this particular judge is he had some some stuff he was working on when he was the deputy justice minister. And one of those things was actually something that's been kind of an ongoing issue for a while now in the province of Alberta since, I don't know, 1997. So this deputy justice minister was tasked with reviewing how the allegations against Sean Chu and his sexual assault of a child were reviewed by the Calgary Police Service should there have been was done. Well, now he's been shuffled off to judge land There's a lot of people who are wondering what's going to happen with that investigation. Is it going to get the review that many people feel it desperately needs? And of course, there's no no immediate answers available. But one of the other questions that came up is, as as is now our custom here at the breakdown, as soon as anybody starts to get a, a, a list of plum appointments, we go, well, I guess it's time to head to the Elections Alberta website and see who's donored. Because sure enough, one of the judges, since 2019, one of the new judges, has donated almost $10,000 to the UCP. So that's a thing that happened, which doesn't raise any red flags for anyone, I'm sure. But getting to our main event, the deep dive. We're going to talk about our star again. 
So to do a quick little recap for anybody who hasn't been watching the show for the last six months, because it feels like we talk about this almost every episode, but it's such a train wreck. We have to. Our star was a program that was brought forward by a guy who wanted to see more wells cleaned up. And the theory behind the program was, hey, you know what? Oil and gas companies, they're not cleaning up their, their wells as much as, as we'd like them to, as quickly as we'd like them to. They've agreed as part of their contract to pull that oil and gas and resources out of the ground that they will clean up. They will do the remediation. They will leave the land as good as they started with it. But we should give them more money because reasons. It will make them more incentivized to do the things. Well, he started trying to plug this idea. The gentleman's name is Chris Kinnear. He started trying to plug this idea and he was able to hook himself up lobbyist that lobbyist was of course daniel smith and daniel smith went to the provincial government and said hey we've got this program called our star it's going to be really really great clean up tons of wells it's going to give oil companies a, a boatload of extra money but that's that's cool uh you you should do it you're cool with doing it right and the uh provincial government under kenny said yeah that actually doesn't fit with how we do any of the things we're supposed to believe in polluter pays so if somebody makes a mess it's their job to clean it up and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to give oil companies more money for doing the things that they're supposed to do anyways why would we do that and daniel smith said damn it i guess i'll run for the ucp leadership apparently and she did run for the ucp leadership and in no surprise chris kinnear was one of her campaign organizers. She got elected, and it's now come out that there's going to be a, a trial program on the R-Star piece. Numbers are being bandied about. There's nothing concrete yet. The numbers that we're hearing, $100 million trial to incentivize oil companies to clean up the things that they're supposed to clean up anyways because reasons i guess but there's been a lot of confusion around this whole conversation so what we're going to try to do tonight before we bring sarah biggs in is we're going to try to like maybe make a quick little recap maybe make a little bit more sense of the the things and the stuff because it does get pretty confusing and that confusion was only created more when a, a article started making rounds again over the last couple of days that had to do with an inquiry that senator paula simons made where she was asking Okay, so the federal government in 2020 said, oh, yeah, these wells, we got to do something. We're going to, you know, we're going to do, we're going to throw money at it. We're going to throw $1.7 billion at the problem and we're going to make the problem go away. And there was a lot of conversation that happened at that time around orphan wells. And in fact, if you look at the federal government's own press release, they open with orphan and inactive oil and gas wells. When the first word in your program is orphan and you're talking about wells, it certainly creates the expectation, hey, maybe some of this program will have to do with dealing about orphan wells, especially when we saw Prime Minister Justin Trudeau talking about, hey, the orphan well problem, it's a really big problem. It's only going to get worse. It's going to be billions, maybe even almost a trillion dollars in, in cost to clean it all up. It's kind of a shit show. We need to deal with it. So we're going to throw $1.7 billion to get started and maybe, maybe we'll make, make a bit of a dent. And we can talk about orphan wells. We can talk about abandoned wells. We can talk about uh, remediated wells. All of these terms are very confusing. So we, we did a little Googling and we found a couple of tables that are hopefully going to make a little bit more sense of things. When we're talking about wells, 
there's two categories. Somebody owns them or somebody doesn't. That's really it. If somebody owns them, they own them because they ran the wells. Or they bought a company that had these dead wells that were attached to them. Or they bought some sites and these were packaged in. But somebody owns these wells. Or they don't. And if it's an or they don't, then those are wells that have been demonstrated that there's nobody who owns them anymore, usually because the company that dug that well, drilled that well, went bankrupt. They just disappeared. Then they maybe went on a TV show about invention pitches. I don't know. But that's one of the things that can happen is bankruptcy happens because of the bankruptcy. Nobody legally owns the wells anymore. Those wells are orphan wells. Those are a big problem because nobody's really responsible for cleaning them up there is a body that has been created to help ensure that they are eventually cleaned up but they are woefully underfunded for the amount of work that they have ahead of us but for all of the rest of the wells we have our inactive wells those are the wells we're not using them anymore we have our suspended wells those are the ones that they kind of sort of been shut down we put a lock on them um and that's kind of where it is we have abandoned wells Abandoned wells are the wells where we've kind of done the bare minimum to, to cover it up and make it kind of sort of safe. Um, we're not going to be using them anytime soon, if ever again. But those are still potentially owned by someone. And then we have the reclaimed wells. And that's when all the remediation is done. The soil testing has been done properly. That's a whole separate conversation because it doesn't always happen super great. And there's a lot of people who have concerns about that. You can go back to our conversation with uh, Mark Doran um, and Reagan Boychuk, where we highlighted we have some work to do in that department, too. But here's the thing. Despite the fact that the federal government's press release, all the talk had to do with orphan wells, the money that has been handed out so far from that $1.7 billion, $1 billion of it was allocated for Alberta, the money went to not orphan wells. It went to any of those four categories of wells, inactive, suspended, abandoned, or reclaimed, that were owned by companies. And the concern that Paula Simons was raising when she raised these concerns, which was a while ago, is that over half a billion dollars went towards companies that have actually had a really good go of things lately. And when we're talking about how good of a go, really, really good of a go. In 2022, Imperial Oil posted a $2.4 billion profit, which was a six-fold increase compared to the same three-month period a year ago. Suncor Energy had a $4 billion profit, which was a fourfold increase. Synovus Energy and Canadian Natural Resources, or CNRL, both collected billions in profits also. So the question is, why is it that we're using taxpayer money, either at the federal level or at the provincial level, which is Danielle Smith's R-Star program, to pay oil and gas companies to do the work that they promised they would do. 
And there's a couple of other follow-up questions that we have to ask there as well. One is, why are we doing that when we're getting such a low return on investment? Now, you'll hear Daniel Smith and people in government. Certainly, we've, we've heard uh, members of the NDP. They had the opportunity to do a royalty review. They decided not to make any changes or do the review. And in our conversation with Regan Boychuk, he hit it home really painfully. When Peter Lougheed was the, the premier, royalties from the oil sands were 35 cents on the dollar. What are they right now? Around five cents on the dollar. So for every dollar of oil that these companies pull out of the ground, they give a net back to Albertans. Never mind the fact that these are ostensibly Albertans' resources. Never mind the fact that these are non-renewable. We're getting five cents on the dollar. And now we're also going to be paying them bonuses in order for them to do the cleaning up that they said that they were going to do in the first place. Now, the counter argument is, you know what? And we've heard this from Smith. We've heard this from proponents of, of the R-Star program. You know what? Even though... Profits are crazy, crazy up. And even though most of the money that oil companies are making, these major giant oil companies that are pulling in billions of dollars, they're not keeping that money in Alberta. They're moving it out of Alberta. They're moving it out of the country. Most of the shareholders who are getting the major dividends on these windfall profits aren't Albertan. They're just enjoying making 95 cents on the dollar, while Albertans are making five cents on the dollar. Even though all of that, if we incentivize them, they'll clean up more. Unless, of course, evidence that that's not the case. And in fact, there is evidence that's not the case. Because there was a report that was done that by the Parkland Institute, they took a look how much money has been spent prior to this federal program by these oil and gas companies remediating and fixing up these well sites? Well, in 2019, Alberta's energy industry spent about $340 million on remediation as part of the province's area-based closure program, which represents about 70% of Alberta's cleanup activity. The following year, after the start of the federal funding, about $363 million was spent on the same work in Alberta. So even after the companies that own these wells and have the responsibility to clean them up got millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars in some cases from the federal government, the total increase was $23 million across the board. At a certain point, we have to be asking, why is it that we're giving oil companies who are taking us for a ride by the most generous of interpretations? Five cents on the dollar? Why are we giving them more money? Because one of the things that this Parkland Institute report found was that by and large, it appears
most of the work was just being subsidized by the federal government. So the oil companies were able to move $340 million that they were spending on remediation, not on remediation. They were able to take the money from the federal government and flip the stuff that they would have spent on it into other things like profits. It is a stunning state of affairs that instead of holding oil companies accountable, and to be clear, I'm not dunking on oil companies. As we've said many times on the show before, nobody should be surprised that a corporation is doing everything it can to maximize profits and protect the bottom line. They have, their function is to make money for shareholders. That's their whole jam. So when they do that, you can't be like, whoa, a company went and did everything they could to make money legally. Uh, Who could have seen that one coming? But the question that we should be asking is why are our governments federally and provincially bending over and handing hundreds of millions of taxpayer dollars to oil companies who are then able to use it to pad their bottom line instead of saying we had a deal and in alberta if you make a deal you got to hold up your end of the deal some people might even say I don't know. That's the Alberta way or thing. Time to bring in Sarah Biggs. Sarah Biggs, how are you doing tonight? I I think your mic might be muted. I I was told I should wear a tinfoil hat tonight. It's warm. It's warm. It looks very, very heat retainy is that because of the aliens which by the way we we now know it's it's not aliens much to every at least my personal disappointment i was looking forward to welcoming our new overlords uh it's just giant balloons and we don't know who sent them cough china cough um, but it's fascinating to see that the conservative uh, argument sorry i didn't wash my hands uh it's fascinating to see the conservative agreement uh argument saying that well, we can't even defend our own airspace. No, no, NORAD is working as it should, my dudes. That's how NORAD works. That's why we have treaties, so that we can say to our friends, hey, you got a plane up here. Do you maybe want to go deal with this problem? And it's also important to note that when one of the, I mean, this is totally not our normal sandbox, but it's also important to note that one of the things that was said um in the, the the press releases was they were like okay whoever gets the first clean shot go ahead and take it because this thing's going into like regular airspace and that's going to turn into a shit show but so both the prime minister and the president the prime minister of canada and the um president of the united states needs to give the green light because yeah. it's a team it's a cooperation effort it's an, a coalition if you will a coalition look at that like NATO. <gasps> Sorry. It's, it's been, you know, I am i don't have a lot of sleep because my toddler decided that at 4 o'clock she wanted to see mommy and at 5.15 was time for Peppa Pig. 5.45 or something. So, you know. Is that even on at 5? Did you just like Netflix that? Oh, Netflix. Okay. God forbid there's new Coco Melons coming out this week. Uh, thoughts and prayers. Uh, 
I'd rather have a They're big. As much yeah. as I'd love to spend the entire show talking about inflatable UFOs, um, we got to talk about this video that Danielle Smith. I mean, here's here's my thing. And this is, I think I've made this point to you in, in conversation over the last couple of days, because it to me highlights just how messed up this situation is. Danielle Smith has like 150,000 followers on Twitter. And I'm pretty sure like 40,000 of them are probably real. She's got a pretty yeah. big audience is what I'm saying. Can, can someone run the uh, verify the Twitter followers for the premier's right. account? I'm curious. If someone's I, born. I, I mean, there's a lot of names and numbers up on that account, but do with it, do with it what you want. But oh. we have we we posted the video like an hour after she did because it was so gross. Um, and our our yeah. our little rinky dink podcast has last I looked, we were coming nine hundred thousand impressions on the the tweet that we did which is nuts, but it speaks to, to me, just how bad that message was that Danielle Smith put out there. Also probably speaks to how many she, people she's blocked versus how many people we've blocked, but do with that what you will. Um, what the hell was the strategy going on? Because she put the video out and everybody went, what is this? And then she pinned it. Then she pinned it. Yeah. And then she unpinned it when she started to realize, oh, wait, literally the entire country is angry at me right now. But then she went on the radio show and was like, when asked, will you explain, will you apologize? Her response was, I'm going to dance-plain how relationships with First Nations and Indigenous peoples work because I'm crushing it in that department. What's happening here, Sarah? Where's, what's the comm strategy? So there's none. There's no comms. You know, what's bothering me is that she's appropriating herself to First Nations, like our First Nation people. They need to be partners. No, they should be equals, really. That's the bottom What line. reparations has Alberta done? I'd like to start with that. Like, when she was None. like, Alberta, we've led the way in reparations, I was like, I don't think you know what that word means. <laughs> No, you got 900,000 views on it. Sorry. Um, so, no. So, going to the greater point. Reparation. Maybe, you know, in the past few years, they signed a few, like the Samson Cree Chartered uh, Surgical Center, you know, but it's not even reparations. It's, you know, just signing deals with individuals that are able to put up, to put up from the capital cost. But, you know, so I don't know how history is taught. In Alberta, but you know, in Quebec, the, the, the you know where everything really, really, really started. We studied quite in depth the relationship when New France was founded, and then the French lost to the Brits, and then when the Brits, uh, the Versailles Accord was signed, I think it was 1763, and then how uh, the relationship with First Nations moved. So. We got to remember that colonizers, the settlers, the settlers were huge, huge, huge disruptors of the First Nations. Uh, First Nations were, you know, self-sufficient. They had their resources. They were able to, they were a matriarchal 
Um, I'm going to give an example. For example, uh, Iroquois back in Quebec have a matriarchal structure. Um, even um, there's a First Nation group um, next to Quebec City. They have they had three levels of government, like the village, then the region, then the confederation of First Nations. Um, you know, they were a very, very highly functioning society. It was, you know, they were... Well, they can't survive for thousands of years. Without Go figure. And then the white people arrived. And then, you know, Hudson Bay, smallpox blankets, alcohol, firearms. Why? Because they wanted the first. So they started trading goods with the First Nations, which disrupted their way of life. And then let's talk about more local here. Um, so the relationship with the French was okay. There was some kerfuffles once in a while, but it really got worse with the Brits. But if you look at Buffalo Jump here, the steppers, the colonizers destroyed the bison population, destroyed it, the buffalo population, I'm sorry. Um, totally destroyed it. There's pictures down there. If you haven't gone, please go see. They're, they're bison. Bison? Okay. Don't I, you go walk any on me here. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm sorry. I just, I'm French. So, uh, you know, there's pictures of step, step settlers just standing on like a 20 meter high pile of bison skulls. Like we literally destroyed their way of life. And then, you know, Perhaps she forgot that the first, you know, nation rehabilitation program um, started in 1820. Maybe she forgot about the white papers in 1969. Um, the treaties were signed. Um, but please tell me how we built this country with them when we decided where they were going to live and under what conditions. And then decide which language they were going to speak, which God they were going to pray to, and how they would live. Please explain that. It's so fucking whitewashed. Like, Here's the thing. We didn't build. Canada was not built with First Nations. It was built, it was built on, on the back of First Nations. And if that That's makes it. you uncomfortable, if that makes anyone uncomfortable, good because it was a fucking genocide nobody should be comfortable with that nobody should be comfortable with kids being pulled out of their homes and being forced to go to schools where they were assaulted and beaten and not allowed to speak their native their 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 tongue their native languages sorry if that i tripped on that one i'm a little fired up like think Um, about the 60s school that group Forced sterilizations. Like we could go on and on and on. And that's what the problem is. is We can list off all of the atrocities that the country of Canada has visited on Indigenous and First Nations people. But apparently, Danielle Smith, who filmed that video on unceded territory. She can't think of anything bad that might have happened between Canada and Indigenous. Like, it just, I can't even. And here's the I, other thing. I can't. Well, I'm going because I'm fired up now. It's fucking. The R. She had to delete a tweet. She had to delete a tweet at the beginning of the month where she 
acknowledged Black our History black Month people. and talked about our Black people. Our and black oddly people. enough, Black people weren't like, hey, possessive pronouns, that's cool. And a lot of people said, you know what, maybe using ownership terms when it comes to other human beings, especially when you're talking about demographics that have literally been owned, maybe that's not a great choice. She deleted the tweet. So there's some awareness that using that language is harmful. No. Then she got no. down there's on no it. There's no awareness. That was fucking scripted. That wasn't right in front of the parliament. She was all smiley, Danny, rehearsed, scripted, and they probably tried it 15 times. But if you are going to believe You're that notion, that our confederation, our also happy confederation, just bloomed between the amazing, amazing relationships that we had between First Nations and the colonies, no, fuck you. This is not what happened. Like, I remember the Oka crisis in 1990. It was goddamn horrible. I was seven years old. I still remember that because one of my friends, her father was in the army and he was on that goddamn bridge dealing with it. And it just paralyzed Montreal for a very long time. We do not understand still to this day. Oh, by the way, shout out to Brandy Moran today for coming out with that video. Right. Thank you so much. Um, why can't we just get anything right? There's no strategy. There's no awareness. There's no... How about you just Google and go on the federal website and see what the fuck happened? How complicated is that? Google solves a lot of issues. But, you know, I... Fuck, I can't even anymore. It's just so... Everything is just so goddamn wrong. Everything is wrong. Then they pretend... Ooh, the, the jurisdictions and blah, blah, blah. God damn it, then. Learn your stuff properly. Stop being so goddamn whitewashed and start acting like a leader, not like a stupid GOP Santos representative. Sorry. Well, let's talk about her learning her stuff because this is, we'll pivot to something more fun I got to play with earlier. Um <laughs> Because here's my math. I did the math at, the, at the, the top of the show. Here's my math. Danielle Smith stood up and she was like, hey, you know what, guys? Uh, I didn't know premiers couldn't do amnesty. Um, my, my lawyer, Bestie, who wrote my strategy, he, uh, he didn't know lawyers couldn't do amnesty. What are you going to do? Guess we can't do amnesty. At what point is it – like, here's my thing. It's either incompetence or it's deliberately misleading people. Which one is it? So, Why not both? both? So when you write policies, here's when you write policy for a campaign, because apparently I wrote a little bit of that. Um, you do your own research and you look what is doable, what could be implemented, and what is a big no-no zone, especially when you have lawyers on your team, Rob. Lawyers. It's the very... Mm, like, come on. Like, we just can't get... And kids are watching that. Teenagers that are on Twitter, on social media, are watching that, and they think that it's okay. And that's the issue. That's a big issue that I'm having right now, is that kids are exposed to traitorous propaganda that... I'm sorry. I'm just so angry. Like, when you make campaign promises, 
you do your research. Like with Lila, we promised that we would increase H to 2,000 dollars a month. Guess what? We did the math. When we calculated um, Smith Alberta Revenue Services and everything in between, it was $15 billion cost just in salaries over 10 years, not including capital investment, building, and everything in between. We do the math and we calculate. Like we had a, we tried to present a, um, you know, um, policy about, you know, increasing, uh, throwing another five cents a barrel of cost to the oil and gas company so we can, you know, collect the money and start doing reclamation, stuff like that. You do your research. You do your research. And it's so, 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 so irresponsible that we are here today. Everybody's losing their goddamn minds right now because they don't know what is true. They don't know what is not. And they don't know who to listen to. Because usually the government is the one you look upon for credibility. For yeah, like you would think that they would know credibility. Well, you know. Fuck me. I'm just... I'm not lobbying for the next three years. But I had a conversation with somebody recently uh, who is fairly well placed in the apparatchik. Um, and I said, you know, my beef is that I just I just want some consistency. Like yeah. if, if we could just be consistent, that would be delightful. And this person who is incredibly wired in, do you know what they said to me? Your expectations are too high. <laughs> and they were joking. They were serious, which is which should be terrifying to people they, people who are they were not prepared they are not prepared they are stuck in that bubble like i get emails from hold on i sent you one this weekend i think let me grab my emails because you know all those bozos are rejected like oh hi dr Marcus. please take me off your goddamn sub stack that i didn't register to by the way by the by so sick uh, of it I'll show you how to unsubscribe okay. from that. It took me a couple tries. Yeah, it's complicated. It's pissing me off. So here, there was one that we got from Project Confederation. Our good friend. Hey, I was Sorry, just I at their know. offices. I was just at their offices like a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I know. No, nobody did answered when I knocked. Did you I not did. Nobody answered. <laughs> well, that's, you know... The so when usually what happens when you see an email from Free Alberta Strategy or the APP or Project Confederation or the Alberta Institute, you know what kind of week you're gonna fucking get because usually it's the direction the government's taking. How bad is that? It shouldn't be that way. We shouldn't be seeing so many like they do not understand how government works and it hurts me because I have friends in there that are working their ass off that are good people and they're stuck in there. They're stuck. And it's just like, and now she, I I still need to like um, go through the abacus data poll because I I need to look at the dates because I'm not sure of the dates, but there's a whole lot to break down in there too. It's just that it's, it, it increases. It's actively looking for polarization. 
mm-hmm. actively looking. Well, that's the strategy. Like, like she's going to go after Trudeau Monday because he won't say what kind of thing we shut down from the sky. No. National security matter. Uh, take a seat, Danny. Like, we're well, going to be I'm sure there'll be, a, there'll be a convoy heading up there to liberate the balloon any minute now. Well, because and you know, or Theo Fleury saying, oh, hey, Gondek is trying to groom the city. No, fuck you, Theo. I'm done. He, he, the ignorance is getting so dangerous, Nate. We are at a point that if we do not wake up, we are going to find ourselves in a situation that will be extremely, extremely, can we say dangerous? Oh, yeah, no, I think we crossed that line already. But we can say it again. It could I mean, get worse. Let's, let's, let's not forget, it was just over a year ago that there was an armed insurrection at the border with plans to murder police officers. That's not hyperbole. That's the reality. That's a fact, actually. It's a, it's a fact. Yeah, like that happened. They, they shut down the border. Yeah. They were planning on killing cops, period. But they're freedom. Uh, how I... Uh... We saw one of those trucks today. I forgot how my husband called it. Freedom. I don't know. I don't remember. But they're still out there. There's still misinformation about vaccines. Um, it's it's at a point where, you know, when you do work like I do in policy and trying to, you know, being public relations, government relations, well, there's not much government relation going up this time but um he called it the freedom wagon sorry he just texted me because he's watching but you know we're at a point where it's just exhausting and you just want want to walk away from everything that's you know i was thinking why and i'm not throwing a pity party here that's just how it is Everybody is so exhausted that you're like, you know what? I go back and take an eight to four position at six figures, live my life and just give up and not care. What fun would that be, though? No, I, I would die. And, but it's discouraging. We always aim for better. And then we're getting, again, the Dolorama version of all governments. I Has anyone like received their bucks yet? Uh, I, I, I think that there's a lot of people who have. Okay. Good. Here's my question for you. We're going we're gonna to move on from that because we got ground to cover tonight. Take a contrarian approach to me. You, I know you caught most of the rants about R-Star and subsidizing the oil companies for doing the cleanups that they promised that they were going to do on their own anyways. And I know that the royalties scale in different places, so it's not five cents on the dollar everywhere. But in a lot of places, it is. Yes. What, what's the argument? Is there an argument for paying viable so we're not talking about the abandoned wells. or No, sorry. We're not talking about the orphan wells. We're talking about mm-hmm. wells that are, by and large, I saw in the comments here, Mark Doran, who uh, knows way too much about all of this, $165 million went to one of the companies that is one of the companies that pulled in billions of dollars of profits last year. Why are we giving oil companies that are sending billions of dollars in profits out of Alberta 
why are we giving them almost $200 million to do what they promised that they were going to do anyways? Like, what's the, is there an advantage or what am I missing? No, it's a socialist policy. It's a welfare. Socialism. Corporate socialism for everybody that was calling me like a goddamn bleeding liberal and all that. You know what? You're a bunch of socialists because you're supporting that, which like, so here's the beef that I have with all of what's happening right now. We gave $120 million to the war room since 2019. We've spent uh, that's a lot of money. What's that? I remember when the war room was a big deal. $30 million a year. That was a big deal. Wow. It's a long way in four years. It's <laughs> peanuts now. Um, but, you know, here's the thing. And what's, here's what's really, 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 really pissing me off. Is that they are going to take a taxpayer's dollar. Like, the money that belongs to us. It is the problem. Our resources. We, they are going to take that away from our budgets and services to go. So we're going to be witnessing the biggest government-funded share buybacks of all times, which is fascinating because, you know, we're all for free enterprise. But meanwhile, a pregnant woman in Canmore or in Banff need to drive between 100 and 170 kilometers to go give birth at Foothills Hospital. God forbid something happens during labor in the car, or if it's snowing, or if there's an emergency, or if the child goes in distress, or if the mother has preeclampsia. What the hell are we doing? Fund the services. Fund the education. When we are investing in our people, we are investing in future taxpayer base. They seem to have lost the plot. Because all they want to do right now, you know, we always say, oh, God, please bring another boom. I promise I'm not going to piss it away. Burn your stickers, guys, because it's happening right in front of our eyes and nobody's going to do anything about it. Like, I barely saw the NDP reacting to it. Call them socialists. Call them this corporate welfare. Go hard after them. Explain to the province what's going on. Do good contrast comparisons, but they won't go there. My neutered Dalmatian has more balls than a lot of those politicians out there right now. And it's frustrating. <laughs> Hi, Leonard. I love you. But here's where we're at. Schools are underfunded. We can't even get like HEPA air filters. <laughs> Goddamn school to make air better. Uh, there's no bus drivers. We're, I'm still going through, you know, we don't have bus drivers for another school. Um, what else is wrong? This well, here's here's my thing. Like with the R Star piece, here's what here's what bothers me. I think one of the things that bothers there's a lot that bothers me about it, but here's one of the things that bothers me the most is we're not talking about addressing the wells that are orphaned. We're not talking no. about the wells that somebody has, has there's nobody to take responsibility for. I mean, here's my thing. If I'm an oil company. And I acquire some assets and included with those assets are some, some crap wells that need to be cleaned up. They need to be remediated. I bought them. That's on yeah. me. If I didn't do it's my like due diligence, then I'm an idiot. But if, it would be like if I bought a garbage car 
from a dealership. And then I drove up to Danielle Smith's house and I said, the transition shot, I guess it's on you. Like, it's so ridiculous. But and it doesn't like do anything to address the wells. It's like it doesn't promising do anything my address- it's like promising my 10 years old, I'm going to pay her $200 a week to clean her goddamn room. Come on, guys. We're better but than it, that. It's, it's, well, there's another room in your house that's on fire. So you're yeah. going to bribe your kid with candy to clean up the room that's uh, messy, that's her responsibility, and you're just going to ignore the fire that's going on in the backyard like it's alberta first my ass it is not um a lot of i have a lot i have a lot of anger and i'm not an angry person i really am not well sometimes but you know um but here's the issue we are at a point where they are so worried about losing an election that they are literally increasing shareholder prices and dividends and buybacks. What is that telling you? I think somebody might have said, like on Wednesday, I think that who she's working for might not be who she says she's working for. They have to have their come to Jesus moment. They need to find it. Because it's the province is going to go into a very, very, very... You think it's hell now? Just wait until she has a real mandate. And she is elected for real. You think it's bad now? Just, you just wait. It's, I'm worried about legislation that could go in. I'm worried, you know, the CBC this week, sorry, I'm trying, you know, when the CBC was asking about Arthur Pawlowski... Here's my take on this. They have something and they just wanted the oh, confirmation yeah. from the premier that she has talked to him. That is my take on that. Well, Archer's on the record. He's He said that Danielle Smith, I mean, uh, you got to consider the source to some degree, I suppose. But Archer has said, this is the quote I pulled out of the article. She can set me free. She promised that she will set me free before the election. So it's not that as per Archer, do with that what you will it's not that archer said hey she said she'd look into it i have fingers crossed it's archer saying she said she would set me free that's a very different beast entirely and i mean you and i have 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 talked a little bit about the um the the conversation in regards to smith's body language and stuff um she was shaky it, this week. She was shaky. And I've had a couple she people who have shaky. said, did you notice her voice when they asked about Arthur? Because boy, did it change. And the, the blinking started something serious. She's yeah. got her tells. I've said it before. I'd love to play poker with her because I could feel like I could make some money. But Danny Box? <laughs> Sorry. Is that the poker winnings? <laughs> Sorry. Oh, dear. No, it's just extremely, extremely, extremely worrisome that there are some actors into the government that have reached a level of power that they should have never have reached, especially after, you know, I don't know, founding organizations are. So here's the thing. She's like, Alberta Sovereignty Act. Yeah. Then she goes to Ottawa. Oh, it was a good meeting and I'm going to meet with the other premiers. We're going to make this work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Are you in or are you out? Because here's what's going to happen. A lot of people, she's going to be, okay, so we're going to get Danny. Like we were saying we're, we got Kenny, we're going to get Danny. So she's going to keep the Alberta Sovereignty Act at bay because she doesn't want to look like she wants to be out of confederation. And to a lot of voters, to a lot of conservatives, it is extremely important because the CPC, what's the purpose of the CPC? The Conservative Party of Canada, which is technically the provincial big brother for the UCP, right? So she's going to be keeping that at bay until election time. And then after the election is going to be done, if she goes back in power, they're going to be knocking on that even more and even more harder. And it's going to be at the expense of our kids, our seniors, you know, every, sorry, I, I shouldn't say our seniors. Um, it's going to be at the expense of Albertans' families, unfortunately. The healthcare system, the education system, and everything in between. The roads, the roads. Oh, hey, how's your roads, Nate, since we, we removed the, the tax, the fuel tax? Um, I don't drive a lot yeah i know you see i did enough. i did take the lebaron out today and it was delightful <gasps> um, the lebaron is fantastic and it, it is it is a boatload of fun so here's here's an interesting thing talking about the cpc there uh i'm just scrolling through the uh um daniel smith's twitter timeline for fun and games and she talked a lot about the the premiers that she met um, mm -hmm. she met with a few members of the CPC caucus, but it seems like the, when you scroll through her Twitter timeline, the, the person that he met the most was, uh, or sorry, that she met the most was, was Trudeau. So mm -hmm. there's that too. Nowhere to be found. Right? Hmm. I wonder where Pierre was. It's just, you know, even the CPC, like after, um, handshake and some of the inflammatory language that she has used and you know always throwing the federal government under the bus for all of the issues that we're going through right now um i'm hearing and i'm not surprised to hear it that a lot of people at the cbc are at the cpc not the cbc the cpc are actually not impressed because she's Shop working impression. against them shocked color me shocked but she wouldn't realize that because for that you need self-awareness i said it that's fair um i just want to double check the notes make sure that we hit on and we talked about the press conference oh the judges mm. friday announcement we got a ten thousand dollar ish donor who gets a, a judge spot that's cute. That's cool, right? Like that's not that's at all anything cute. to ask. When there's about. a lot of good lawyers out there that could think that they could be great, 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 amazing judges. We have questions. So here's my question because we have this this deputy justice minister, and I want to be clear. I'm not casting any aspersions on this dude because I don't know him. Um, but 
there are real concerns that have been raised in regards to, you know, there's this ongoing call for investigations that hasn't been getting any traction um, in regards to Daniel Smith office trying to influence the crown prosecutors. One would think that the deputy justice minister might have some dogs in that fight. But also there's the question of the, the Sean Chu review. So I guess my, my, my twofold question is if I'm Daniel Smith or, or whoever is, if I'm Rob, uh, am I, well, God knows Rob isn't worried about the optics. You don't okay, want so to be Daniel Smith. <laughs> am I concerned about the optics of moving this guy out of his, this role into a judge role when there's this call for investigation in regards to influencing justice and all of that? Well, here's the thing. I'm not a lawyer, but you can ask the judge to recuse himself. Okay. So and what about a... the what about the Sean Chu piece? You need to have a certain amount of signature in a certain time to be able to enact the recall legislation. Um, but I don't. No, this isn't recall. This isn't. This isn't recall. Oh, sorry. This is reviewing the decisions that were made and how. Are they friends with Jonathan? Well, I can't say the name. Sarah Biggs, you be careful now. <laughs> Are they friends with certain prominent conservative actors in the city? You be careful. I'm going to full screen you and run away. <laughs> no. You know, for that, we're going to have to see. But if we see that there could be some sort of interference on that, you can always ask someone to recuse himself because for X, 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 X reasons. Um, well, he's got, but that's the thing. Is he's kind of been recused because it was his his job to review that thing. And now he's not yeah. in that job anymore. Yeah. So, so he, does this just fall by the wayside? Let's hope not. It's complicated. Municipal. It's very complicated. It's so complicated. I'm not a oh, lawyer. Preaching, preaching to the choir. <laughs> I am not a lawyer, guys. I took maybe one class, two classes of. Yeah, no, I'm not a lawyer. Is there anything else that happened this week that you want to highlight? No. Uh, okay. Oh, can we can we tell the NDP to like make their message a little stronger again? Because it's going down the drain again. It was already down the drain, um, and you know technically you're losing this. Why are they sitting on their tush and just hope that she's gonna make another goddamn blow, shoot herself in the foot? And then they're going to be doing nothing with it. What's going on with that? I don't understand. I don't want to see Rachel working hard in her car. I couldn't care less. I want to see Rachel having bold statements, bold policies, not just put them on Twitter for Twitter spheres to see, or, you know, individuals that don't have, I don't know, the internet are working proper. You know, it's the irony. We're promising on the internet, better internet to the people that don't have internet. I, I like that. I, the full circle. I don't know. Like the NDP is just, they need to wake up and fast. Evan Scrimshaw wrote an excellent piece. You know, everything that we've been um, talking about for a while now. 
Evans Crimshaw, you know, really, really rounded it up extremely well. I wish I would have written that piece. But um, don't tell me you're going to keep your hands off my pension because I already know you will. Go with more contrast. Go with more attacks. Get, get on the issues of the day. I'm tired of hearing the NDP screaming, we're going to be saving your health care. How? Start rolling out some policies so people can start paying attention because it's not the Rachel cult right now. That's the thing. It is a cult of campaign managers. Is always a cult of leaders. It's always. But what about the MLAs that are running in each riding? Are they going to well, be presenting the, real solutions that matter to their constituents? Here's the interesting thing because we talked about my uh, my return to politics. <laughs> so I've 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 had I, a couple people reached out. Uh, with some of the the results of the poll, I don't know what my numbers were, uh, <laughs> and I don't care. But I did hear from a few folks that in in the constituency that I live in, which was by um, by a lot of measures viewed as like an NDP lock, those numbers are shifting. And the it's 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 not because of the polling power of me, rest assured. But the, apparently, there's a couple of new polls that have in in my constituency that I live in that was for the last like two years an NDP safe zone. Um, the the UCP are now pulling ahead. Um, so, so I'm gonna have so we're running some numbers right now. We're we're working on something. We're going to have some uh, numbers ready, hopefully, in a few, couple weeks. Um, but, yes, it is shifting. Because to the average person person who pays some attention or none at all, she's fine. She's okay. They're not impacted. Their taxes won't be going up. Okay, their mortgage is locked for five years. Um, you know, there's no real impact. I'm getting um, 200 300 bucks a month because of my kids. No, those people don't get that kind of money, you know. You don't think so? I think there's a lot of people. Like it was over a million million people who signed up for the for the the Danny Bucks. Um and I got to think great. that that there's there's a good number that are like I mean, I'm sure there's some folks that are just like take the money and run, but I would bet that there's also quite a few people that are like, "Hey, 200 bucks a month? That's that's like almost half of my car insurance right there. And, oh, sorry, I looked at the comments. But I have to say that door knocking and policy rolling are two different things. They're two different yes, teams. It's not, it's not that they're too busy door knocking or buying lunches everywhere. It's that they are just, I'm starting to, they need to start getting more precise because people are getting tired of it. And some canvassing that I have seen, people are like, well, we don't want to vote Danielle, but if we heck don't want to vote for the NDP. So what are they going to do? Stay home or vote for Danielle de facto because they hope that she's going to be less worse because it doesn't fit their personal agenda? There's a lot to think about. Like, I don't care about door knocking. I really don't. But how you convey your messaging 
and how you roll out your policies. And if the policies work for everyone, be bold, subsidize the education system. Nicolaitis increased it at $5,000 grant for you know, international nurses to come here. Subsidize the, the education system. Go bold, invest in your future. They are lame ducks right now. They are acting like they are already in a position. They need to stop. I think that one of the things that's that's important as I door knocking is important. It's super super important, yeah. and I don't wanna I don't wanna make it sound like we're minimizing okay, that. No, no. That no, no, being no. said, pussy is what you get to talk about at the doors, and if you don't have substantive exciting policy then it's just hi i'm timmy from party x uh do you like my hair and i'm gonna be saving your health care i'm gonna make schools better and i'm not gonna touch your cpp what the fuck is this it's a pocketbook election guys grab them by the wallet oh my god i can't believe i said that both sides are missing the target they really are. Then I'm going to be getting hate messages. But it's okay. There we go. Um, I'm going to give you the opportunity to go ahead and say the very horrible thing. How are the next couple of days going to be, Sarah? <sighs> go ahead. You know you want to. You hope it's going to be... A shit show. Oh! Were you buying us a couple of days here for once? I'm excited by this. It's going to be a shit show. There's no way with everything that has happened in the past week, she's back. Okay, so we had like two weeks of kind of quiet. Uh, Nicolai Des tried to, you know, stand up to the task and be like, free speech. Then um, she came back and then we had like two weeks of uh, news condensed in one night because she's back. And she was only back on Tuesday. And it's already a tire fire. We have a video. We have uh, healthcare talks. You know, there's an increase. But the thing is that there's always strings attached to every single funding. It's like when you have your credit card. If your credit card rating dips too low, they're going to take it away from you. Go figure. Like, seriously, guys, wake up. Like, but it's going to be another not a week, not a shit show. So we're what two weeks away from budget. Budget's gonna be presented on the 28th. So here's a question. Won't they be smart enough and call the election on March 1st? Which I really hope they don't, because you know I'm going to Mexico soon. Or they're gonna be calling it on April 30th for you don't think they're gonna wait till May? We'll see. But, oh, oh, did you know that right now the UCP is hiring canvassers for Calgary? Gasp. Volunteer base is real solid here, gang. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm just so... What's the English word for that? I would have to know nothing the French more, word. Uh, nothing surprises me anymore. I'm like, what's the English word? I'm jaded. I'm yes, thank you, jaded. There we go. I'm jaded. 
I'm. Do you think that Daniel Smith is going to send uh, sheriffs to Calgary? <laughs> uh, she said she was going to, but then she oh, said, "I don't want to." Can we? Can we do an acknowledgement about everybody freaking out? Well, not not everybody. The very far right freaking out about fifteen minute cities and comparing them to ghettos. I can't fucking even anymore. Watch me. I'm going to go run a Yimby campaign in Toronto just to piss him off. I don't. I just. Uh, it's, it's. It's a disaster. Why? It's, so here's let's let's actually have this conversation for, for five minutes just for fun. So here's my question. We see that there are these initiatives that are mm-hmm. that are brought forward by uh progressive thinkers progressive municipalities uh what was the one during the municipal campaign there was the whole thing about like uh the density in calgary uh, vancouver. oh vancouver ran on yes and no, no, no in calgary there was there was like the whole city plan thing uh i can't remember oh the, 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 the development book um yeah you know what i'm talking about yeah okay yeah. it was it was it was it was it was a, it was a thing and Everybody lost their minds. The neighborhood over it. guide. The neighborhood guide. Guidelines to something communities or something. I can't yeah. remember. Yeah. So here's um, the thing. I'm going to tell you a story. Last year, I was asked to write a strategy for a mayoral campaign in Vancouver. We ran some data. We discovered that there's food deserts in Vancouver. So that means that in less than between 10 to 15 minutes by foot. There are no grocery stores available and the inhabitants of the area are car dependent. So, but here's one thing that I've been talking about this week is how as voters, as Albertans, as, you know, the government, we need to go back to the community mindset. Back in the old days, you know, you were looking at bonus. Bonus had Bonus Road or Main Street, whatever they were calling it, and they had all of their stores. Same thing for Inglewood, same thing for Mount Pleasant, same thing for Ramsey, same thing for Killarney. They were Kensington. little hubs. Huh? Kensington. What's that? Kensington. Kensington. Um, they were they are hubs of convenience for the individuals living in those lines. And I don't know how sick do you have to be. To twist it around because, you know, we need to go back to basics. We need to go back to a sense of community because we have lost that during COVID and we have lost ourselves. It's just, you know, I'm only going to worry about my family, my husband, my cars, my house, personal property, freedom. Let's go. Don't care about anyone else. We have lost ourselves into so much selfishness that we have lost any a lot of individuals in the province have lost any sense of community but also when you look at schools look at schools they are very often the heart of a community every single kid can walk to school like when i grew up everybody was walking to school there were no buses no buses everybody was walking to school making it walkable for grandma who's 75 well my mom's almost there. My dad too. Sorry, I'm not, but you know somebody who's 85 years old in good health decides to go to the grocery store for a walk to go grab some bread and butter because they don't feel like driving. How can, do we compare it to the Holocaust? 
how did we what's the mental gymnastics here to get there oh wait chris sky he lives in leduc now apparently bruh but that's the thing those medias are running those false narratives and again it's a psychological game it's the psychological games are being used since the beginning of COVID. politics health policy wise and now municipality wise is extremely disturbing because a lot of people are is, are buying it. It's well, that's what I'm trying to figure. That's what I wanted to ask you about. It was, by the way, it was called the Guidebook for Great Communities. I looked it up while you yes. were you were ranting. I, I um, should have known. You know, I worked on a campaign. I ran in one, so you know, bad on me. I guess that's why I lost. Um, <laughs> but um, the- oh, are you running for the Alberta party? Uh, no. Yes, yes, you are. No, no. Yeah, Hard I need no. to call it. Absolutely no. All of the ways, no. Um, but here's my question. Car. Guidebook for great communities. That doesn't sound mm-hmm. terrible. 15-minute no. cities. That doesn't sound terrible. How do we get from, hey, there's this this benign name to fire is falling from the sky and they're going to take away your children? Like, I just can't. The, and we can also ask the hate for it when there's like 400 acres that might be annexed to Calgary. Because apparently we're going to be rowing by four. Stop the sprawl. Everybody's complaining that the roads are garbage. That, you know, our taxes are hanging on that, my dudes. Let's start building up. Let's stop spreading out. It's, you know, it's communities one-on-one I, I don't know what the mental gymnastic here it's sick it's gross it's disgusting they're just like uh i don't get it you know i lived in the community of sonata for a while i loved all those small businesses around i had to throw this comment up from, from oh my else. god i'm not sure That's how to interpret it to interpret that absolutely brilliant well it's because i said that they were going to take your kids um yeah i just don't get it it's it's nuts and, but here's the thing like i would love to be able to walk 15 minutes and get to all of the 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 places yeah. that that i need to get to and yeah that sounds like a nice thing and the other piece is like when people are like oh they're going to charge you money to go places have you ever been and like tried to get to Greater Vancouver because as soon as yeah. you go over that bridge, they're taking your license plate picture to charge you for crossing the bridge. That's it's it's the cost oh, yeah. of doing business. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that. I only go yeah. to downtown Vancouver. It's in Commission Drive, but yeah. I've never been to Surrey actually. No, there we go. Never been. It's the light. You should go see my sister in Langley. She's a dentist. She's really good. Langley's like too fancy for someone like me. Is it? I don't yeah. know, I've never been. No, I'm not a I'm not a Langley kid. Um anyways, everything's else... gonna be burning down. No, everything's gonna <laughs> everything's gonna be burning down, the shit's gonna hit the fan, and we're gonna be here on Wednesday pulling our hair again. I'm going bald, okay guys. Well, I know I, I'm hoping that we'll be able to discuss deployment the deployment of sheriffs in Calgary because like I said, I hope Smith. Not. Oh, she said we're it's happening. We, we, we're not going to be tolerating disorder. Look at your own gang. Good God. 
<laughs> Sorry. I, how, I, many, how many UCP MLAs, uh, how many UCP MLAs showed up at Coots? I can think of two. So, you know, let's talk about order. <laughs> oh, they canceled the toll program? It's been a while since I've been through there. Thanks, thanks, politics. Oh. Of the... All right. Can tell you. Uh, if you got nothing else to add, I'm going to wrap it up, Sarah Biggs. I need to go to right, bed. There we go. There we go. All right. As always, if you appreciate the kind of content that we're trying to produce here at The Breakdown, we would love nothing more than if you signed up to be one of our Patreon supporters at our Patreon website at www.patreon.com slash thebreakdownab, where you can give us small amounts of money once a month and get the good feeling that comes out of uh, knowing that you're helping to, to continue to do this. But also, and I saw a couple people do it uh, after our show on Wednesday, you get to tweet out, at Danielle Smith or your your MLA whom you're not fond of and say, hey, I'm supporting the breakdown just to make you crazy. Uh, they love that. So that's another one of the benefits that comes with supporting us at the Patreon site. Also want to just quickly mention as well, we have for the second week now successfully published our uh, Substack. So we had a bunch of people that were asking for sort of the, the short version of the show and transcripts and all of that kind of thing. Um, uh, that they could refer back to uh, because that's something that people wanted. So we're trying to we're trying to do that once a week. We're going to be putting our Substack up where we're going to kind of recap the last week in politics. If you go to our Twitter page right now, you can find the the one that came up from uh, just today. We launched it at, at seven o'clock. There's some there's some fun in it as well. Um, other than that, just want to say thank you again. The comments super lively tonight. Um, thank you everybody who showed up and and shared your thoughts and offered some corrections. For example, the the toll bridge thing. I just remember being there and and having to pay it last time I was there. I guess I should travel more. Um, so thank you to everybody who is active in the comments. Thank you to everybody who is listening on the Twitter Spaces. Uh, everybody's watching on the live stream. And if you're listening to the podcast version, we're still trying to dig our way out of the uh, very bad reviews that the Convoy folks and the Freedom folks left for us about a month ago. So if you have a sec, leave a rating, leave a review on your favorite podcast platform of choice uh, just to help us get that uh, rating back from where it was because we were doing really good for a while there. Uh, other than that, we'll be back here Wednesday, 8 o'clock, to discuss whatever happens next, whether it's the, the UFOs falling out of the sky or Danielle Smith completely whitewashing Canadian history. We'll be here for it. We'll see you at 8 o'clock. In the meantime, take care of each other, yourselves, and as always, keep the conversation going. Thank mm-hmm. you.